and welcome to another football week. And in, as in, there's actually going to be action, a uh, preseason game, and a whole bunch of practices prior to that for the Philadelphia Eagles. Here on Birds 365, Jody McDonald along with Jeff Kerr, who's filling in for John McMullen, who's joining us right now because he's going to get his uh, camp report in and then get off to camp for practice with that coach from New England who's actually won some games named Bill Belichick. Uh, good morning, gentlemen. Jeff Kerr, how was your weekend? Uh, pretty good. Not not a good weekend for the Phillies, though. I happened to go to the game yesterday. It was long. It, was, it wasn't boring, but there was definitely – some lulls in there where you're just like, all right, just end this game already. <laughs> yeah, it was also a little hot and it didn't work out well for the Phillies. I know where you're coming from. And John McMullen, the usual co-host of the show, is doing the reported thing today. Um, are you going to try and either get a rock, paper, scissors game or a fist bump or any kind of activity in with Bill Belichick before the game, McMullen? <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping to ask him questions so I can get more than 10 words from him. So if you ask him something history related, he might go off on the dissertation. Well, from experience with Bill, just ask him an X and O's question and you're set. Yeah, exactly. You you, you can't ask him about players. You got to ask him something uh, a little bit more uh, layered. Uh, and then you might get you might get gold for him. Usually. You're right, Jeff. X's and O's are good, but usually it's history because he's a big history uh, buff with the NFL, and he loves, loves history questions. He's got a little bit of history of his own that he can talk about, um, and Nick Sirianni doesn't have much. Being a rookie head coach, running his first ever joint practice as the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, we kind of kicked this around a little bit last week uh, that uh, who's going to dictate the way practice terms go we know they're supposed to work on this together it is uh being done at the eagles home park are they basically going to do whatever belichick wants today johnny mac you know it's going to be interesting i i think um you know the patriots typically uh go two hours a little bit more uh the eagles of course have gone you know anywhere from 70 to 90 minutes generally um, so you just have the timing aspect. I think everybody's going to be focused on that, but you know, uh, these joint practices, what happens is you work with yourself and then you go over to work with the other team in certain drills, one-on-ones, the offensive line to work with the defensive line of the other team, vice versa, um, corners and D backs and receivers will, will work against each other. Uh, and then you do some team drills and then you go back and work with each other. I imagine the Patriots will just keep working when the Eagles wrap up, but we'll see. I, I mean, you know, maybe, maybe Bill wants those team drills later in the, in the period. Uh, and you need the other team if that's the way it goes. Uh, I would think he has more cachet. I think that's fair to say. I, I, you know, you know, one guy's got seven Super Bowl rings as a head coach. <laughs> I got to say, as a head coach, because he's got more. Uh, and the other guy is a rookie head coach. So, I mean, you do the math, <laughs> John. We got obviously two former friends coming back to Novacare Complex. Uh, Jalen Mills is one. Nelson Aguilar is the other, and I kind of want to focus on Aguilar a bit. It seems like he had a really good relationship with his current teammate or, or his former teammates when he was here. Like, is, is there going to be like any you know bad blood between anybody when they actually do the team drills? 
No, I, I don't think that there might be some bad blood just from, you know, teams with a different uniform. I mean, you might see a scuffle here or shoved there, but knowing Belichick, he's, you know, obviously very disciplined. He's not going to allow any fights. Uh, so I don't think you'll see anything like that, but um, no, from Jalen, uh, Jalen is, uh, you know, really outgoing. Um, he's not, I, everybody's going to be thrilled to see him. Um, and no, I, I don't think there's any bad blood with Nelson Aguilar either. Um, I, I think there might be a little bit of bad blood with the, with the fan base, but I, you know, that doesn't translate to the field. I don't think. Mm, J Mac, the Eagles made some roster moves over the weekend, uh, letting Caleb Wilson go, the reserve tight end, Adrian Killens, the running back slash wide receiver. I don't think anyone is shocked by either of these two moves. I think they were both long shots to make the team. They do so before they actually needed to cut down. Uh, give us your thoughts on the roster decisions why you think they happened when they happened? Yeah, I think in the case of, of Caleb, I mean, he was just, and he got uh, picked up on waivers by Washington. So that kind of tells you he's got some, uh, at least some talent that other people will look at. But I think the Eagles are really deep at tight end, um, especially with Tyree Jackson coming, jumping up and catching everybody's eye. Um and, and, and then with Adrian, I mean, you know, that's a difficult transition. You mentioned running back slash receiver. Yeah, technically, but he didn't even take a rapid running back. So he was trying to make the move to, to wide receiver. And uh, obviously that's difficult at the professional level. Uh, they were trying to develop in, into these this manufactured touch-type touch player. Um and, you know, maybe it was one of those things where you try to sneak people early, uh, maybe that you want to uh, stash on the practice squad. People have done that in the past. Obviously, it's not going to work with Wilson, uh, most likely. Uh, I don't think they would have a problem with bringing Killens back if they want to continue down uh, the developmental road. But yeah, it's interesting. I mean, Buffalo went right away. I mean, I think they were the first team to go to 85. Uh, it's kind of a goofy cut. I don't know why they've made this change, 90 to 85, 85 to 80, and then 80 to 53. Um, but it is what it is, and they got to get uh, a couple more uh, done by Tuesday, which will be uh, the second joint practice with the Patriots. So um, it's early, and obviously guys – 90 to 85 are probably not close to making the roster. So it, 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 I wouldn't, you know, raise my eyebrows at all. John, leaning into that, was there anybody that you might have thought, okay, they were definitely cut, and then they played Thursday in the preseason game, and maybe the Eagles would say, you know what, maybe we'll hold on to them for another week? Uh, not 90 to 85. I, I think the decision there is like, you know, you use – Blake Countess and Mark and Michelle, uh, I'll use them as an example because they were the last to arrive. They were the last to arrive because they needed bodies for injuries. So you ask, well, where are they? Do they still need those bodies? So to me, when you're this high, it's got more to do with that. I think when you start talking about, you know, the final cut, uh, that's when you say, okay, did anybody – you know, put themselves on the conversation to make this team, to make the final 53. 
And then that you also have to factor in, okay, can you get this guy through waivers? Do you think you can't get this guy through waivers? And that, that plays into it as well. I always bring up Jordan Mailata early in his career. He wasn't an NFL player, but because of his upside, uh, the Eagles felt they couldn't get him through waivers to put him on the practice squad. So they had to use a roster position for him, and it worked out for him long term. Um, you know, somebody else probably deserved that spot, but all, all that kind of weighs into it. Okay, Mac, one of the reasons why the Eagles had to make a roster move over the weekend before Tuesday's deadline of cutting down was the fact that they activated LaRaven Clark, which came as a bit of a surprise because uh, some people thought that he was going to uh, stay on the pup list all the way through the beginning of the season. Already activated. Don't think he's going to play on uh, Tuesday or Thursday against the Patriots, but we'll have to wait and see on that. Uh, how surprised were you by the fact that Clark was good to go? And what do you read into that as far as the shaping of the offensive line goes? Little, little surprise. We saw him with his helmet and we did a double take and we went, does, does he have his helmet? <laughs> uh, is he going to practice? And, and turns out, yeah. I mean, he tore his Achilles in December. Um, so if you just do the math, that's usually a nine-month injury. So we're getting close to, to where it would be anyway. But um, I, I do think, obviously, Andre Dillard goes down um, and, and still labeled as week-to-week. Um, you, so you start saying to yourself, okay, what's going to happen here? I think we all know Jordan Mylotta is going to be the starter, at least early in the season. I think Dillard's injury takes care of any, even if there was an increment of doubt, even though Nick Sirianni still won't admit it. Um, so I think that takes the doubt away. And then you start saying, okay, you know, LaRaven Clark has a history uh, with uh, uh, Nick Sirianni and, and certain members of this coaching staff. Uh, so they know him as a player. If you can figure out if he's healthy, uh, maybe he's f- figuring in as that swing tackle, and then all of a sudden you can move Andre Dillard. Uh, and I think you just saw it in Chicago uh, with another former Eagle. And, and Jeff and I were talking about this last week, Jody, offensive line deficient league. So people who think the Eagles can't get something for Andre Dillard are nuts. They can get something for Matt Pryor, I think. Um, so, uh, you know, but you got to prove he's healthy. So that's that's a factor as well. Um, nobody's going to trade for damaged goods. Um, so all of it is, is kind of interesting. But I, I do think Andre Dillard, because of his lack of versatility, doesn't really fit in well as a backup. So I, I think, you know, if the Eagles feel comfortable with LaRaven Clark, I think that opens up some doors as far as the trade market goes. I feel like I'm going to ask you this a couple times this week, John, but Devonta Smith, how did he look Saturday? And does he look anywhere close to potentially playing on Thursday night? No, I can't. I can't imagine. He, he ramped up. Uh, he was upgraded from week to week to day to day. I, I think they have more of their eye on the last preseason game for Devontae Smith. Um, and who knows how much even then. I think the real goal is week one, and I want to make sure he's completely right for that. Look, it's just the way they've run this camp. I, I think it's important, especially for rookie players, even rookie players with that kind of talent, to get legitimate reps in, in training camp. 
they don't seem as concerned with that. So I, I do think, you know, September's the new August is the saying. Um, I, I do think uh, you're going to see some sloppiness early in the regular season as, as guys and certainly rookies uh, play themselves into it. Um, and, and Devontae will be in that category. But from the Eagles' perspective, they just want to make sure he's healthy and, and ready to go for week one. I think they're going to be very, very cautious. But he has ramped up his conditioning work on the side. Um, so he's getting closer, but there's no I, – I, I don't think there's any way they're going to push him to play on Thursday night. J-Mac, two things on someone you just mentioned, and that would be the uh, probable Hall of Fame left tackle. And, yes, I will always consider him an eagle when he gets to Canton, uh, Jason Peters. Uh, first of all, under over on games he's active for the Bears this year. I'm setting it at four and a half. I need your under over. And is there a positive spin to be had here? And here's what I'm getting at. He's not an eagle. I don't think he should have been an Eagle. They needed to move on. I thought that Jason Peters' career was done. If he wants to still play and he can convince an NFL team like the Bears that he can still play, more power to him. Good luck with that, Chicago. Um, but is it good that he's not here with the Eagles in that if he really wanted to be here, some people would suggest that Jeff Lurie would make sure that that happens, that he's here again because he had the relationship that he did with Jason Peters we always wonder and worry how much influence Jeff has on the actual roster. If he's go good enough to play, convince someone to play, and it's someone other than the Philadelphia Eagles, is that a good sign that Jeff Lurie is letting his football guys do the football things? Yeah, I think it's somewhat of a good sign because, you know, Jason made it clear to the Eagles that he wanted to play another year. So Jeffrey was well aware of that. He didn't push it to, to uh, Howie Roseman, Andy Weidel, who kind of knew – um, they were going into a different gear and Jeffrey himself was the one who used the term transition. So you don't want a nearly 40 year old left tackle on transition. Uh, and, and I think people forget, I mean, before Andre Dillard, um, you know, tore his biceps last, uh, August, I mean, he was the starting left tackle and they had to bring Jason Peters back because of Brandon Brooks's injury. He was going to play right guard. And I don't think that would have worked out well, but we'll never know uh, because of all the injuries. And ultimately, Jason moved back over to left tackle. Um, it, it, if Jeffrey wanted him back, he knew he wanted to be back. He could have forced it on him, so he didn't. Uh, but I, I think he kind of pigeonholed himself as well with the transition thing. Um, so it, it depends how you look at it, I suppose. Uh, but there's no question the Eagles knew Jason wanted to play another season. And they finally decided, okay, thank you. We've done, you've done so much for us. They think he's going to be in the Hall of Fame, but we got to go in a different direction. And even going back, I say people forget about Andre Dillard. People forget the Eagles essentially said goodbye to Jason Peters in a press release before Brandon Brooks got hurt. And, and they changed course and, and brought him back. Very similar to the Zach Ertz situation where everybody was saying their goodbyes and all of a sudden shows up and he's still here. Um, so I, I think last year was more injury related than anything else. And this year, 
they built up enough depth or they built up enough guys they're confident in that they didn't have to revisit that and pick up the phone. I thought you kicked the hornet's nest a little bit this weekend, John, with mentioning, dare we say it, Justin Fields, and we all know he was the pick <laughs> right after Devonta Smith. And it didn't even seem like the Eagles were even interested in him. No, but- they weren't. It was bizarre. It was bizarre to me. I, I, You know, Jody and I have talked about this a lot. Jody loves both players. I always joke it's a Sophie's choice of, of picks. Um, look, I, I mean – I, I think it's hilarious how people overreact to preseason uh, NFL football. So, you know, in certain cities who sit 35 players, they're going nuts because their teams look bad. Well, okay, yeah, they look bad. They didn't play any starters. They didn't play most of their second-team players. So I wouldn't get too upset by it, but people get upset. And then in that same vein – you know, somebody has a big preseason game that could be against the third team, and they're the second coming. Now, I will say Justin Fields, I think, has a ton of talent. I, I do think he should have gone higher than he went. Um, who knows why this league, uh, uh, people start to drop and people start to rise. I, I mean, Trey Lance, you could look at, I mean, just look at their history and you say, well, why is Trey Lance going before Justin Fields, and, and maybe it turns out he's just a better quarterback, and maybe they're right, uh, but he did look really good in his first action. The Eagles, do they need a quarterback? I think they need a quarterback. Is quarterback more important than wide receiver? I would say quarterback is more important than wide receiver. This team has constantly told me that quarterback is the most position, most important position in sports, and, oh, by the way, backup quarterback is top 10 in the NFL, according to them. And a potential star quarterback falls to you? Now, you, you know, if you talk about the Eagles being up higher and, and dropping down, and they say, okay, they didn't think this particular player was worthy at one spot, and then he's still there as you drop down. Do you change thinking, or is he completely out the window? I think he was completely out the window. They crossed him off. They weren't even considering him. And, you know, Devontae Smith might turn into a Hall of Fame receiver, and nobody cares. But I got to tell you, the Chicago Bears aren't don't have a great history with quarterbacks. I don't need to tell you guys that. You can argue Jim McMahon, but that was a very short window. You really got to go back to Sid Luckman. If, if this kid turns into a superstar in a city like Chicago, that draft choice, that non-draft choice is going to haunt this organization for a long time. Right. And John, you know full well, because uh, you and I were doing birds 365 leading into the draft. If I mention that the Eagles might regret not taking Justin Fields, that's not second guessing. That's first guessing. Because I said I thought he should be the number two player in the draft behind only uh, the Jacksonville quarterback, Trevor Lawrence. Uh, so <laughs> this is not going to be revisionist history with yours truly. You know how big a Fields fan I am. But you are 100% right. 
he played against the Dolphins second and or third team before he started moving the football. We're not putting him in Canton just yet, but that's what we do every year with rookie players across yeah. the National Football League. This is not something new in 2021. We've been doing this for 25 years, as a matter of fact, so nobody should be surprised. And oh, by the way, he's not only going to be compa- compared to Jalen Hurts next uh, this year, at the end of this year, He's going to be compared to whoever the Eagles quarterback is in 2022. If it's not Jalen Hurts that the Eagles decided to go back into the draft, well, you had the chance to draft Justin Fields. You could have solved this problem a year in advance. But that's something that will play out over the next year, two years, four years, eight years, six years. Uh, we'll certainly have plenty of time to do that here on Birds 365. All right. Uh, uh, other Eagle injury news, not good for on Johnson. Hurts his knee. He's a bubble guy at best to make this football team and being injured this week doesn't help him. How do you see the birds uh, depth chart at running back looking as we go into the joint practice with the Patriots? Yeah, it's one of the things, you know, I'm writing about that on Philly voice this morning. It's one of the things that's interesting because Nick Sirianni won't admit who the starting quarterback is, even though no other quarterback has taken a first team rep other than Jalen Hurts. He won't admit, who the starting left tackle is, even though uh, the competition is out. Uh, and I don't, I don't know if Brett's off. He made a great block on, on that Quez Watkins touchdown, but I don't know if that put him in the equation. Uh, so, it, you know, it was weird. It kind of t- took me back. He was so honest about the running back position. Uh, he, he was not only uh he flat out said, no, we're using a committee. It's not going to be Miles. I think everybody's hoping Miles turns into three down back. It's not going to be just Miles Sanders. And it's evident that, you know, this committee is going to be uh, really Jordan Howard, uh, which I think is the biggest surprise. And he got to start uh, for Miles Sanders in the preseason opener. Um, Boston Scott, who, who this coaching staff really likes, and then Kenny Gainwell. I think those are going to be the main guys. Um, and, yeah, I mean, that was the issue with on Johnson. The only reason he was on waivers uh, so the Eagles could pick him up is he's got chronic knee problems. And that was a big issue in, in Detroit. It's continuing here. Um, when you need further evaluation, we'll probably get a clearer indication this morning. Um, that's not good. I will say that. One thing I wanted to uh, touch on, John, uh, Quez Watkins. It looks like he has a decent chance to potentially start on opening day. But say Jalen Rager doesn't pan out and Quez Watkins kind of becomes what Jaylen, what we thought Jalen Rager would be. Does that kind of cancel each other out here? Or you know, is Howie Roseman still going to get the, slack, the flack here for pretty much, oh, well, you drafted Jalen Rager <laughs> over Justin Jefferson, but even though Quez Watkins ended up being something. Yeah, it should. It should cancel it out, but it won't. Jody and I talk about this all the time. I mean, as GMs in this league, those first round misses, they they just haunt you and they follow you and nobody forgets them. And, you know, you might you might find a receiver in the sixth round and he turns into a really good player. And yeah, from a logic sense, it should cancel each other out. Well, you got a receiver anyway. You just got it in an unconventional way. Uh, but it doesn't, and I can't explain why it doesn't other than the human nature aspect of it. I talk all the time. I use Derek Barnett as an example. Um, 
if he were the 41st pick instead of the 14th pick, everybody say, oh, that's a pretty good draft pick. That's a pretty solid player. But he's the 14th pick. And they say, oh, he's a disappointment. Uh, he doesn't, he's not a 10 sack guy. Um, so, I, I mean, yeah, pedigree matters in this league. I talk about it all the time. It matters not only when it comes to opportunities. It matters when it comes to expectations. And Jalen Rager forever. You know, if you go back to that draft, a lot of teams said, yeah, Jalen was kind of a, a bridge guy. He might go late first round, early second round. Well, if he won early second round, nobody would be complaining about him right now. They might say, well, uh, you know, you're hoping to get a little bit more. But no, man, now he's a first-round pick. And not only is he a first-round pick, he happened to get picked right before the receiver that had an historic rookie season and went exploded. And a lot of Eagles fans thought, okay, that's going to be our guy. And I got to tell you, you know, if you look at the situation Jefferson landed in, you had another top tier receiver. You had a quarterback who throws for 4,000 yards every year. If he were here last year with Carson Wentz playing the way Carson Wentz played, he ain't getting 1,400 yards. But, you know, people aren't going to put the context on that. They just see 1,400 yard receiver. We would have had a 1,400 yard receiver. It's not fair to Jalen Rager, but it is what it is. Jay Mac, speaking of Carson Wentz, and I'm sorry that uh, no one caught it on video so we could uh, all bemuse about it here in Philadelphia. Apparently, Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson hugged it out this weekend. Dougie P showed up in Indianapolis camp with his bud, Frank Reich. I just thought it would be a little awkward between Carson and Doug Peterson, but apparently uh, it was perfectly fine. They were glad to see each other. Oh, by the way, Colts fans, I like both of your quarterbacks. They both played well this week, Eason uh, and uh, the kid from Texas, Ellinger. Um, Colts might be just fine. Maybe that's why Carson is all of a sudden hustling back to be ready for week number one. Uh, Doug Peterson doing the NFL tour thing to make sure his name stays in the news to get an NFL job next year. Is Dougie P going to be back on the NFL sidelines with a different team? Well, he should. I, I mean, he, he Peter King got him uh, at camp. He, he said he was offered two coordinator jobs. Now, I don't know. Maybe those were two. Um, he could certainly be a senior offensive analyst or whatever title you want to get, get him for Frank or uh, Matt Nagy. Um, you know, probably even Andy Reid would bring him back. Um, so he could get a job. The question is, you know, is he going to get a head coaching job? I can't believe he wouldn't. I mean, he's got a Lombardi trophy and not, it might not mean that much to, uh, Jeffrey Laurie and Howie Roseman, uh, because they think they are more responsible for it, but I think it carries weight around the league. I, I would be stunned if he doesn't get another opportunity. I really would. Um, and, I, you know, I think it was smart not to take the coordinator position or, or an analyst position, A, because the Eagles have to pay him anyway. So why bother from that perspective? And then you don't want to kind of pigeonhole yourself as taking a step back because I think uh, sometimes that sends the wrong signs. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I can't imagine some of these other cities that have struggled won't want to bring in that reputation and then as far as Carson and Doug, I mean, look, you know, it got bad at the end here. 
um, you know, Carson was probably upset because it, it's upsetting to get benched. Uh, and I, you obviously blame it on the head coach. And I, you know, you get over it. And people are professionals. It doesn't mean they're best friends. But did people think that Carson was going to lunge at him and punch him? I, I don't know what they expected. Um, you know, they're professionals. And I think Doug told Peter, you know, we're just men about it. And that's you move on. John, I'm hoping we don't overreact Thursday night because I don't think Cam Newton's any good anymore. And I'll stand by that. And if the Eagles defense kind of lights him up Thursday, I'll be like, okay, well, Cam Newton shouldn't be a starting quarterback. So I'm going to ask you before you even see a practice, Cam Newton or Mac Jones? Oh, I got to see Mac Jones. I, I mean, I, 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 I'm with you. I don't, I don't think Cam Newton has a ton left, uh, but I think he could win, you know, nine, 10 games if everything goes right. And, and, I'm not sure. Certainly that's not up to the standard of Bill Belichick. Ultimately, obviously, Mac Jones is going to be the the starting quarterback for this team. It's just a matter of uh, how quickly they get there. I do think the league is changing as a whole, uh, and we'll see if Bill's in that category. Uh, people are more willing uh, to give first-round quarterbacks uh, opportunities to play early, and if they don't play well, they'll just move on and go to the next guy. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if Bill's in that same category because, let's be honest, he's the standard. I mean, Nick Sirianni talked about him. He doesn't even know him, doesn't even have a real relationship with him, called him the greatest coach of all time because he's the greatest coach of all time. So I'm interested most today because I get to see Bill Belichick. This is not the first time he's been here. You know they're going to practice well. You know they're going to be prepared. Uh, so I think it's one of the best teams to practice against just because they are so smart in everything they do. All right, J-Mac, last thing. Um, do you have a power bar on you? Because you might be getting to lunch a little later than you've gotten used to because uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm guaranteeing yeah. an hour and 50 minutes, if not two plus, for today's practice, which the Coach Sirianni just hasn't done. Uh, you got something to carry through to make sure you make it okay without passing out before lunch? Well, I'm in the I'm in the parking lot right now, so I'm about to do that as soon as I get off with you guys. But you're right; I've already thought of that. This is a day where you got to prepare a little bit more. I've been taken for granted, and I thank Nick Sirianni. It was brutally hot on Saturday, and I asked Dom DeSandro, who's the vice president of security. I said real quick, early in practice, because he's always got the schedule. I'm like, how long are we going today? And he told me nine periods. And I, I looked at the clock and I said, oh, it's going to be 70 minutes. Thank you, Nick Sirianni. And it's sure enough, it was 70 minutes. It's going to be more than 70 minutes today. You can bet your bottom dollar on that one. J-Mac, have a good practice. We'll do this again tomorrow morning. Thanks, bud. All right. Thanks, guys. John McMullen, my usual co-host. Uh, no problems, no issues. Jeff Kerr filling in for him, but we wanted to get his uh, Eagle practice report up and rolling with us here. I'm Birds 365. Uh, We'll come back. Jeff and I got a couple more things to sink our teeth into. Hour number two, talking to one of our best buds, Rob Motti, who is doing the entire National Football League for Associated Press this year after being the Eagle Beat guy for many a year here in Philadelphia. We'll talk Birds and the entire NFL with Rob Motti. Coming up, hour number two, coming back here next on Birds 365. 
I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Monday edition of Birds 365 here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Appreciate you tuning in. Those of you who are watching us live, and oh yeah, this will be re-airing over and 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 over again. Uh, so anybody who finds time to uh, find out what we got to say about the Philadelphia Eagles, we appreciate you. He's Jeff Kerr, pulling in for my buddy John McMullen, who we just heard from uh, with his Eagle report from practice. He'll be there all day sweating as you know what's off because it's going to be hot. And yes, Bill Belichick is going to keep them out two hours today. Uh, joint practice with the Patriots which is going to help both teams. This has become a norm around the National Football League. Jeff, 10 years ago, not every team was having joint practices. 
Some stayed away from it completely. Now basically every team does them. And in an NFL with now only three preseason games, save the Hall of Fame game, uh, these joint practices become even that much more important. Yeah, Jody. And personally, I think it's more of having the training camps at the team facilities. Like, I don't think the New England Patriots would have went up to Lehigh University for a joint practice. One, you just didn't have the facilities to do it. And two, it you know, just wasn't going to happen. <laughs> but bottom line and now you know the eagles are at novacare patriots practice at one patriot place this can happen and you know the eagles are going to go to new york next week and to forum park and practice with the jets so i I think it's more of more teams i I think it's 24 now if i'm not mistaken teams actually have training camp in their own facilities the steelers are one of the few that actually still go to latrobe they didn't this year they stayed in pittsburgh because of the COVID protocols, I think they're going back next year, if I'm not mistaken. But it's going to be – this is pretty much, a, as Doug Pearson would call it, the new norm. And the new norm should be uh, advantageous for both the Patriots and the Eagles uh, this week. Uh, let me ask you about uh, Coach Sirianni, who uh, we should judge by what he does on the sidelines during the preseason, regular season, the entire year. It should all come down to what he does. In games, we know that's not the case. People judge him of what he says in press conferences and uh, the way that he handles the team. He has yet to name Jordan Mailata as his left tackle. Why? Only Coach Sirianni knows for sure. You're pretty damn sure about it. I'm pretty damn sure about it. John McBone's damn sure about it. All of our viewers here on uh, Birds 365 and streamers are sure about it. Is it just to keep up with his mantra of every day's a competition? Why is he dragging his feet when it comes to naming the starting left tackle? Maybe it helps Jordan Malata that he's not the starting left tackle, even though in the back of his mind he's preparing like he's the starting left tackle. Maybe he just wants to keep that mentality, that focus up. And Jordan Malata's got plenty to – how can I put it in words up? Just be – you know, to get motivated, honestly, because – if you look at the situation, Jordan Malata, if he starts, it's, okay, can I keep the starting job? Can I be a good enough left tackle where I can seriously make some money? I mean, look, Jason Peters just got paid by the Chicago Bears this weekend, and he was terrible last year, by all accounts. Uh, you know, if Jordan Malata is good, he's going to get upwards of $10 million a year, and that, that's lowballing him. Like, he'll get $15 million a year. That's just what the going rate is for left tackles in these days, and QB a top three left tackle. Oh man, you're you're going to get twenty million a year easily. Like this is franchise changing money for him. So there's plenty of reason to be motivated if you're Jordan Malata. But I think it's one of those Nick Sirianni's like, okay, look over your shoulder. Even though you know Brandon Brooks is a starting right guard, you know Jason Kelsey's starting center, you know Lane Johnson is a starting right tackle. I just think it's more of okay, Jordan. You know, don't don't get complacent here. You know, this is still you could still quote unquote lose this job because Andre Dillard is still here. He just isn't healthy right now. And I, I think that's where McMullen was getting that out a bit. Okay, yeah, you're going to be sort of week one, but will you be the star of the whole year? Because if you play bad, they're going to give the first-round pick an opportunity. I don't think they should. I think they should let Malata just kind of play. But, again, that, that thought process has to be in his mind. So maybe, you know, it's more – I don't want to say it's a bad mind game for Jordan Malata. I think it's a good mind game to keep him going. JK, uh, watched a lot of football this weekend. I know. Eagles played on Thursday, 
a lot of our viewers probably shut it down. Didn't watch uh, 10 consecutive minutes in a row of any other uh, preseason football. I can't do that. I host a uh, national show on CBS, so I got to know what's going on uh, across the entire league. So I watched a lot of uh, preseason football this week. Surprises, guys playing well, uh, guys uh, not playing at all, analyzing roster, all that stuff. All of that paled in comparison when it came to the surprise than the announcement that Jason Peters was signing with the Chicago Bears. I'm sorry. Just didn't see it coming. I thought that Jason Peters was done. Uh, Like I said, he's going to the Hall of Fame. He's going to be in Canton one day. Hopefully he speaks highly of the Eagles during his acceptance speech, which they keep shortening and shortening and shortening, which is a good thing. It was a very good uh, Hall of Fame uh, presentation weekend this, this year with two classes going in. Maybe when we only have one class, hopefully that's the case. We never have to have another one uh, uh, postponed like we did because of COVID, that when Jason gets his chance, he gets to speak extendedly on maybe the Philadelphia Eagles. His his tenure with the Chicago Bears, we'll see it if, if it even gets off the ground. I've not seen any details on the contract. There's a chance he goes in, has a couple of weeks, and they go, yeah, no, Jason, it's just not working. Uh, we don't know what kind of shape he's in or – we know the guy's a warrior. We know he always has been. He always will be. And he'll go in and he'll fight like hell for two weeks. But I think there's a chance he doesn't even make the Bears. Were you as surprised as I was that Jason Peters is playing this year and playing with another team? I am surprised that he's playing, but I'm not surprised at there was a team that was actually interested in him because offensive line depth is just terrible around the NFL. And sadly, Jason Peters probably one of the best tackle options out there. And that caught me by surprise too. Cause one, I'm, you know, I'm watching the bears, Colts, I mean, bears, Colts, bears, dolphins. I'm watching that game and I'm doing a bunch of one-offs for CBS on how Justin Fields did on how Tua Tagovailoa Evola did on the game itself. And then all of a sudden I get a message in the Slack room. Hey, Kerr, your boy. And I'm like, wait, what? And I'm like, everybody knows my boy is Jason Peters. And, all of a sudden, I see Jason Pierce signs with the Bears. I'm like, whoa, I didn't see that one coming. I thought if Jason Pierce would ever come back, it'd be like as a coach in some sort, probably with the Eagles. And yeah, Jeffrey Lurie, you know, I would have thought he played with the Eagles until he was done. So I figured Jason Peters was just finished, but I always knew he wanted to play till he was 40 years old. That's a personal goal of his. Well, he's 39 and he's still getting that opportunity. He's one year away. And I think he has a good chance to make the Bears roster just because they don't have depth at the tackle position. And if Jason Pierce is willing to be a backup tackle in this league and just kind of hang around and be a mentor and collect a paycheck, then, uh, hey, I'm all for it. Uh, I was surprised. I I actually think he'll make the team, and I think he'll play at some point this year because guys get hurt left and right. And if the Bears do cut him, I don't think it's going to be the end of Jason Pierce. And maybe like a Steve Carlton thing, Jody, where – he just bounces around and bounces around and bounces around until he actually says, you know what, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. But I have a feeling he's going to stick around though he's four years old. And what I believe, and I don't know Jason uh, all that well. I think I asked him one or two questions in a media scrum. I've never had him on one of my shows as a guest. So uh, this is kind of uh, analyzing a guy from afar, which I'm not really a big fan of, but I'm going to do it here anyway. I get the feeling that it's just the fact that Jason Peters is a football player. Some guys are football players, but they're also just regular human beings that they go out, they can do other things. They can change the course of direction of their life quite easily. 
Other guys just can't get it out of their system. That that's what they've been since they've been eight years old, nine years old, ten years, whenever they started the first Pee Wee team they ever played for. And that has been their identity since. And with Jason Peters, it's been over 20-some-odd years that he's been a big, studly, dominating offensive lineman. And he just can't get out of that lane. And he wants to do it until someone runs him off the road. Well, nobody's running him off the road this year. The Chicago Bears are letting him uh, segue right back in. Yeah, one more lane. You want to take one more trip around the track, Jason? Come on with us. I guess that's going to be the way Jason Peters' career is going to be. He's going to keep asking and asking and asking. And somebody, as long as somebody says yes, he's going to come back and play. I, I'll come up short of saying that I think it's sad because it is his choice. It is his career. And that's how I would uh, feel if I were a player that um, I'm not going to go until the league tells me that I'm not good enough to play anymore. I'm just kind of surprised the league didn't tell him that this year. I guess you and John are both right that there is such a dearth of offensive linemen around the National Football League. I watched the Eagles play. I watched every snap that Jason Peters took. He doesn't have anything left in the tank. He is continuing to do it just because of his reputation. I don't know if I'm um, perturbed by it or I feel badly about it because I think it's sad. But I don't think Jason Peters should be out there anymore. Well, here's the other connection, too. Matt Nagy. Matt Nagy was with the Eagles when they got Jason Peters. That's how long ago it's been. And, you know, Matt Nagy's very familiar with him. And, you know, maybe it's just, it, and, you know, Ryan Pace the same way. I mean, Look, Brent Veach was involved with Jason Peters for a long time. I always thought Andy Reid would kind of do his old buddy a favor and kind of put him on the Chiefs roster there, you know, as a backup. He, he can't be any worse than Mike Remmers or, you know, whoever they threw out there in the Super Bowl last year. But, you know, I digress. I just think there was a lot of connections there with Jason Peters. And you're right, Jody, like the league just didn't tell Jason Peters, you're done. And, you know, one thing I always got upset with, and it's not Jason Peters, it's more of how Peters was treated by the fan base, whether they were sarcastic or not. But I got tired of them. Oh, Jason Peters, no full store penalty. Well, how about Jason Peters in the run block? Or, oh, Jason Peters quit on the Eagles. No, he quit on Chip Kelly. He ain't quit on the Eagles. Like, I would have quit on Chip Kelly, too. I, I couldn't stand Chip Kelly, you know? He was you know, just not a good human being toward football players. And just bottom line, you know? So, I always defended Jason Peters left and right. I You know, mild manner guy. Never really spoke out except for one occasion. And that was, you know, Doug Pearson's. The first time he had a media session, Doug Pearson's first year, he spoke out against, lo and behold, Chip Kelly. So, you know, I, I always like the guy, and I think he has a really good reputation around the league as, you know, he's a leader, even though from the outside looking in, it doesn't show it. He, he is, um, you know, a lot of linemen respect him, uh, look up to him. I know a lot of people have said some good things about him. I, I'd love to ask Chris Long, you know, his opinions on Jason Peters, because I think he, he speaks very highly of him as well. So overall, like, I don't know if this is actually going to work. And like I said, he could bounce around the league another two years. But I agree with you, Jody. It's, you know, they're just giving him another opportunity to run the old locomotive. And, I, you know, he's not a starter anymore. There's no question about that. But the way this league is, there's really only 10, 15 decent tackles in this league. And I'm saying decent and they can start. Besides that, it's I think that's why Jason Pierce is still around. We'll see how he plays this year in Chicago. I set the under over at four and a half games that he's active this year. I'm sorry I'm a negative Nelly on this, but uh, I just thought Jason 
was done last year, and uh, I'm kind of surprised. He's back in, but more power to him if he can continue to uh, to get out onto that field on Sunday afternoons. I I want to follow up on something we talked with Johnny Mack, and that's the running back position for the Eagles. And he mentioned that uh, he thinks Nick Sirianni has been more forthcoming about the running backs and maybe any other position on the team that it is going to be by committee. We know that Miles Sanders is the number one guy, or at least I think we know. We don't really know because uh, the coach hasn't said, Miles Sanders is going to get 65% of the touches from the running back this year. Hasn't gone near near close to that. Um, but he did sit the first game, which he didn't have an injury, which tells me, yeah, they only want him to take so many snaps in preseason because they have a confidence level on what he's going to be able to produce. What is Miles Sanders going to be able to produce this year? Give me the Jeff Kerr prognostication on how Nick Sirianni is going to use his back and how how much his number one and lead back is going to be a factor with this team. I'm actually shocked John didn't point this out today that, to me, Miles Sanders is number one back because he didn't play on Thursday. You know, oh, you know, we feel that highly about him and we want him healthy week one and at full speed because one – they clearly feel he knows the system. And two, why would you rest the guy? Like, even if he he was only in there to get two or three snaps, so be it. You know, may, maybe that's what Nick Sirianni felt. Well, there's no point in even risking him at this point. So, And we know what he can do. But uh, overall, my pronostication of Miles Sanders is I want to see him get 20 to 25 touches a game because I feel he can make that big of an impact. What I want to see is him – be a better receiver out of the backfield. And you and I have touched on this, Jody. You know, him dropping passes, even in practices, are scary. And as good as he was catching the football his rookie year, and he was like one of only, I think, a couple running backs in NFL history to actually have 50 catches his rookie year. And when you're in company with Alvin Kamara on that, it's pretty good. So he was that good. He averaged over 10 yards a catch his rookie year. You could pretty much say he was a slot receiver at that point. He was that bad last year. And – the thing was, I, I like to focus on the guy's running game because he was a home run hitter last year, and he did average 5.3 yards per carry, and everybody said, well, what about the negative runs? I said, well, that's why they call it an average. You know, he had three runs of over 70 yards that changed the game for an anemic Eagles offense. So what's going to happen now when he has his full offensive line and, you know, in place? So this is what I'm thinking. I think he should get 200 carries this year. I don't think that's going to happen, but I think he should, and I think he should get – at least over 250 touches because he's a third year back. He's the focal point of this offense. You could still use Boston Scott. You could still use Jordan Howard. You could still use um, Kenny Gainwell, carry on Johnson, uh, whoever's going to make this team. I, I, I don't think carry on Johnson's going to make this team at, at this point right now. I mean, that could change next week, but overall I want to see him get 20 and 25 touches a game because I think he can make an impact on five or six of those touches, where that's catching the football, where that's running the football. I just think this guy is a big play threat, and I think this offense particularly needs that. And if you can get Devonta Smith or one of these other receivers like Wes Watkins to set up Miles Sanders, I would love it. I would love to see them use 21 speed. I'd love to see the, uh, the running backs on the wheel route with Miles Sanders, just like how the Colts use Naeem Hines. Honestly, Jody, if the Eagles use Miles Sanders in the passing game, like Naeem Hines, and I don't think they're going – I think Boston Scott's going to play that role, but if the Eagles could use him in that, Miles Sanders is going to be so dangerous going forward. And it's – so I I think it's a lot of fun this uh, time of year, week one of preseason and thereafter. 
that yes, people get overly excited and or overly frustrated with someone's production in week one of the preseason. Yeah, you keep it in the right context. It is just week one. It's the first week. It's not just a week. It's the first week. So things are likely to change over week two, week three. And then they're going to play the whole regular season for 16 games, 17 games per team. But that's what we do. That's what fans do. And I don't have a problem with it as long as you've got some kind of context to it. And I love the fact that I got crushed this uh, weekend on on Twitter and social media because I pointed out how good a game Justin Fields had. And I'm that big a fan of his, and I have been that big a fan of his two years. Again, not Johnny come lately, day of draft. Oh, I can't believe they passed on Justin Fields. No, I was talking about Justin Fields two years ago. Uh, So I feel justified in pointing out what he does right. It's first game, okay, so we've had so many guys who've done this before. That's true. Okay, you want to take that attitude? Why do I get the feeling that Eagle fans are ready to put Quez Watkins in the Hall of Fame? Because he had two huge plays, one that he actually caught and uh, took down the field with Yak uh, a plenty and got to the house. And the other one that if Justin uh, uh, Jalen Hurts had thrown just a little shorter, could have been behind the defense, 90-plus yard touchdown. It's okay to get crazed about uh, what uh, Quez Watkins did because he's on the Eagles. But you can't get uh, questionable about Justin Fields because he's not on the Eagles. You can do either one. It's the same thing as far as I'm concerned. It's a little bit of an overreaction. But are we only supposed to overreact to positive or can we overreact to potentially negative as well? See, this is what I love about covering the whole league. I can get excited about everybody, and everybody will be like, oh, you know, as long as I don't mention, like, all oh, the Eagles go draft to Justin Fields. or Well, no, that's not true. Like, First off, I thought the Jets made a mistake passing on Justin Fields. I thought the 49ers made a mistake passing on Justin Fields. In fact, I harped on this through the draft. I'm like, what are you guys doing? You need a quarterback. The Denver Broncos, I thought, needed a quarterback more than anybody. And I get why they drafted Patrick Sertan. Made plenty of sense. But I'm like, dude, you guys need a quarterback. What are you doing here? Why is this guy keep falling? And then, like, even when... Look, I knew the Eagles were trading up to get one guy. That was Devonta Smith. I talked to Devonta Smith right before the draft, and you know he told me, <laughs> point blank, the Eagles were severely interested in him. And you know, and I'm like, okay, so they're trading up. This is the guy they're getting. And you know, I stuck by that for a couple of days, and that's what happened. And so I'm like, okay, maybe the Giants should go get this guy because they need a quarterback. I still think they need a quarterback. And when Chicago traded up, I'm like. This is this is brilliant. I know who they're getting. They're getting Justin Fields, and I, I couldn't have been more happier for a franchise that needed a guy like this. They never had a four thousand yard passer. They never had a thirty yard, thirty touchdown passer. It, it just seems like a match made in heaven for them, quite quite honestly. But yeah, Jody, this is where I agree with you. It's you can't praise someone from their team for some reason. Like we can't say, "Oh, look how good Trey Lance is," or "Look how good Zach Wilson is," because maybe the Eagles were linked to those two. I don't know. Like, I'll tell people straight up, and I'm glad McMullen said it too. I don't even remember them being interested in Justin Fields. Not one bit. Like, he's not the type of quarterback they like. And the irony is they have a quarterback like that right now, Jalen Hurts. And I think it's more the fans want to see Jalen Hurts play and then revisit the quarterback uh, thing next year. Like, I, I, I just think it's more of get behind our guy. Well, no, we're members of the media. We don't have to get behind anybody. And, uh, you know, that's the unfortunate truth here. You know, we're, we're not fans, you know. And I, I agree. I think fans have every right to be excited about Quez Watkins. When you're hearing us on Birds 365 talk about how bad the receivers are and how no one stepped up, well, this is a kid that did. 
And this is a late-round draft pick who, you know, let's be honest. Like, I, I liked him coming out. Like, I saw him at Southern Mississippi a bit. I'm like, okay, kid's got speed. Can he make it in the NFL? I don't know. It was a deep receiver draft, and the Eagles took this guy, and I, I was a big John Hightower fan. Like, I, I loved their their draft, honestly. I loved how they got Hightower. I loved how they got Watkins. I loved how they got Rager. And I'm like, okay, maybe, if two of these three could pan out. Awesome. Well, Wes Watkins looks like he's going to be the best of the three right now, and that's a scary thing for Jalen Rager. But, yeah, I, I – Again, from a national perspective, it looks different. I can talk about whatever player, and people don't usually get mad at me unless I kind of bring up, oh, this team could have had this guy. And, you know, I, I know Jets fans are already saying me because, you know, and I like Zach Wilson, but you could have Justin Fields. He was the second best player in this draft, second best quarterback in this draft, bottom line. You and I look at this very similarly, and uh, uh, John had to listen to me talk about Justin Fields throughout the entire draft process. I think he got tired of it um, because I was that big a fan. Um, and your point about don't think the Eagles had interest in him, I think that pretty much manifested itself with the way the draft played out. They had that high Miami pick, which they traded back from. If they liked Justin Fields, they never even trade back. Yep. They say, oh, we got a chance to get him here at number five. They never would have made the move they did to back up and get the extra draft pick first rounder from the Miami Dolphins. No, they liked Wilson. And when it became apparent that he was going to come off the board to the Jets at number two, they said, all right, well, he was our guy. And if we're not getting him, we might as well move back and add some draft capital. And they did just that. But you never know how the draft is going to play. And sure enough, Fields falls all the way to 11, and the Eagles trade there to get uh, whatever play they want. Well, they wanted Devonta Smith. And I like Devonta Smith a lot, too. As John said, my Sophie choice between the two guys who I talked up a blue streak before the draft happened to both be on the board when the Eagles picked. They took the wide receiver. I think he's going to be a hell of a player. They pass on the quarterback. We'll find out if they need a quarterback at the end of the season after Jalen Hurts gets his chance. I think that they're going to rue the day that they didn't take Justin Fields. Devonta Smith's going to have to be an unbelievable star type player to lessen the comparison between whoever ends up the Eagles quarterback and Justin Fields. But that's just me. All right. We're going to take a time out here. Come back. Got a couple of around the league things I want to touch on with Jeff. We're also getting ready to punch up Rod Motti in our number two to join us here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one 
Go Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. We are strong here on Birds 365. I don't know if we're Army strong. But we're pretty darn strong when it comes to Philadelphia Eagles and our opinions on them. Sharing them with you for the next hour today is myself, Jordan McDonald, and my partner, Jeff Kerr. Joining us in, oh, about 20 minutes from now, Rob Motti from the Associated Press will hop aboard the Eagles uh, beat writer for years. Now national coverage for the Associated Press. Uh, be good to get Robbie M. up with us. All right, speaking of national, J.K., First things first, let me ask you if you understand better how the list of the top 100 players in the National Football League is comprised. How do they come about uh, putting it together? The NFL Network airs it and puts it on NFL.com. Thereafter, I happened to be on the air last night while they were in the midst of their reveal from number 100 down to uh, 41. They will hold off on the top 40 until next weekend, and they'll go 10 to 40, and they'll keep the top 10 to the last week before the season starts, and then reveal the top 10. Uh, it's pretty well done what I saw. It started before I got on the air on CBS and then was ongoing during my full four-hour show last night. I know it's the choices of the NFL players, but I've not been able to find an article or have somebody explain if they aired it on the NFL Network. I'm sorry that I missed it. How do they ask the players how to vote? How do they compile the top 100? If you know, I'd really like to learn. So from what I heard, it's not even every NFL player. Like they give the ballot box, I, I guess, or it's like a voting thing to like certain players. And I'm trying to remember this. I think Chris Long kind of explained it once. And it was like, okay, they give you a sheet. And then they're like, okay, just kind of, pick your guys or, you know, pick whoever, like, like your position per se. Like it's like a sample size. So like say Josh Allen, uh, I'll use him for an example. Like they'll give him about, you know, okay, list your top five quarterbacks. 
And I think that's how they do it. At least that's how they did it a couple years ago. I don't know if they changed it or not. I know it's just for the players, by the players. There's no media. And then they kind of tally everything up, and that's how they determine it. Because I remember when Carson Wentz was three a couple years ago. I'm like, whoa. Like, you know, I knew he was going to be top ten. But three? Like, the league thought that highly of him? And I guess they did. Like, and apparently it's not even, like, at the end of the year here. They do this in, like, November or December. So it can be kind of skewed a bit. So – it's it's an illogical process, but overall, it's who the players think are the best players in, in football. And I have a feeling who's going to be number one this year. Um, I'm hoping it's a certain quarterback on the Chiefs. That's who it should be, but I kind of have a feeling that it might be a certain quarterback on the box. We shall see. And I wanna I wanna get interested and I wanna give it credit because I think it is different. We have media guys like you, me, Peter King, everybody else, and we put forth our opinions all the time. You get the guys on uh, the actual football coverage, uh, play-by-play guys, analysts, studio guys, uh, and we all have our opinions, and I think they have a value, but I think players are different, and and I really like to get their feel on these things and contextualize their th- these things, but I really don't understand the process. To give it its proper due... I think I'd have to understand the process and here take a sheet of paper and vote for five guys. And it's not even all the players. It's just some of the players. I I don't even know if it's worthy of our attention here on birds 365, but I chose to give it to it anyway. So we've gone down the road and we're not doubling back Uh, for however much you should be either excited about or ticked off about it in, in the, as I said, 40 through 100 range. The Eagles have three players, which is not bad. I guarantee you there are going to be teams that don't have three players. Because think about it. Just do the math. Um, 100 players, 32 teams. Everyone should have three players. I think they mentioned Tampa's got six. So for uh, every team that has uh, four, five, or six, that means there's a team that's going to have less than three. So there will be teams with less than three. I can come one come to mind. Uh, my J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. The only guy they have in the top 100 is probably going to be Corey Davis, who they just signed as a free agent. He didn't make his way into the top 100 because of work he did for the Jets, but he's a Jet now and he's on the top 100. So that's it. So their teams are going to be worse off than the Eagles because the Eagles have three. Um, Jake, no, uh, who was 98? Uh, Brandon Graham was number 99. Um, Jason Kelsey was number 92. And Fletcher Cox was number 63. I thought Fletcher might be a little bit higher than that, but he ended up at 63. It's not bad if they've got three, and that's all they're going to have. You you don't think there's any way Darius Slay cracks the top 40, do you? No, and I've gotten into arguments with on a bunch of podcasts that say to me, oh, Darius Slay had a really good year last year. I'm like, really? I'm like, he really did? Because I don't think he did. Like, I, I thought he was good. Don't get me wrong. I actually – I'll defend Darius on this. I think he had a good year. But when you're paying a guy $16.6 million and you're one of the highest-paid cornerbacks in football, I'm expecting big play Slay, the guy I loved in Detroit, not the guy that played last year. And, you know, we could play Jim Schwartz for that, and I've done that. But overall, Darius Slay was not the guy the Eagles traded for last year. He just wasn't. Like, he wasn't the game-changing cornerback. Now, I think he can be that this year. But last year, he was not. I don't think he makes the top 100. I think he's well-respected around the league. I think he'll just miss the top of the hover. But I was more than ecstatic to see Jason Kelsey on there because I thought Jason Kelsey had an all-pro year last year. It was it just wasn't going to happen because 
the national perspective is, well, the Eagles allowed 65 sacks. That was the most in the NFL, and their offensive line wasn't good. You're right. Their offensive line wasn't good, but look who was on it. Look at all the different starting combinations. Jason Kelsey was an absolute beast last year, and if the Eagles were any good, he would have been an all-pro again. So I was happy he got his due from people around the league, uh, uh, players around the league. I, I'm glad players see what I'm seeing in Jason Kelsey. And, you know, uh, there's another player. I actually he's, – he's not on the list yet. He's going to be, and I think he should be top ten. This is how good I thought Stephon Diggs was last year. No player in NFL history had more catches, more yards in their first year with a new team than Stephon Diggs. Like, that was a T.O. to the Eagles type thing. It, you know, even, just even more further advanced because he ended up, you know, not getting hurt. But that's how good he was last year and what he did for Josh Allen and his career and that franchise going forward. So I'm curious to see where a guy like that ends up. But the three Eagles that were on, no issue whatsoever. If there's any other Eagles player, I think would have gotten on the list, but he was hurt last year, was Lane Johnson. Uh, besides that, I, I think those are the three you're going to see, Jerry. Right. And uh, Lane may make it again next year, and he's been on the list previously, but he wasn't on it this year because he's missed as much time. Same with Brandon Brooks. Uh, it's based uh, mostly on what they did last year leading into this year. But there is a little projection because uh, Justin Herbert made the list, which somewhere in the 50s, I think. He had a really good rookie year. He's thrown into the deep end of the pool week one when their starting quarterback goes down, Tyrod Taylor, and he put up some really good numbers and kept the Chargers in a lot of games. He didn't win many games, and I know that that's still an important facet of judging a quarterback, at least it is for me. He didn't have all that many wins, even though, again, like you were just pointing out, that you wouldn't blame Jason Kelsey for the Eagles' offensive line failures. It was everybody around him. Uh, same thing with uh, Mr. Herbert. I don't know that I put it on him that the Chargers didn't win that many games. Defense, coaching, uh, you can point to other things. But that's pretty high for a rookie quarterback who wasn't supposed to start week one. And I know they just judge what did happen. He did end up playing because of Tyrod Taylor's injury. Um, a little too much of a projection for Justin Herbert to have him in the top 50. Justin Herbert ahead of Fletcher Cox. Really? Is that the way you would see it, Jeff Carr? So just talking to a couple of players around the league this offseason, I interviewed them. I would ask them about Justin Herbert, and they, especially the defensive guys, they'd be like, you got to see this guy live. He is just incredible. So I'm not surprised at where he ended up. Like People were just amazed by the arm talent, the decision-making, and they said, look, the guy's got playmakers across the board, but he gets it to them, and he gets it to where they need to be. And just the national consensus on the Chargers is basically everything you said, Jody. It's not just – Justin Herbert's the reason why they won as many games as they did, or else they'd be in the top three, top five in the draft. Like, that's just the situation. They had a bad offensive line last year. They had a lot of guys hurt, and Herbert was still able to sling it. Their defense was terrible. Their coaching was atrocious. Anthony Lynn was – there were some decisions in there why he got fired. I think the Chargers did end up 7-9, to nine, if I'm not mistaken. So – but it could have been a lot worse, and this is why I love the Eagles hiring Shane Steichen. Justin Herbert gave Shane Steichen a ton of credit for why he was where he was. He said, that guy just got me ready to play football and got me ready for the NFL. And he, when I asked him about Shane Steichen in February, he just went, man, I'm going to miss him. And I'm like, oh, man, this, this is great for the Eagles. Like, great hire, Nick. And so I'm not surprised. He is as high as he is. I It might be a little too high. I don't know, but 
when you set the rookie record for passing touchdowns, you throw for 4,000 yards. Oh, by the way, you didn't even play week one. You weren't even supposed to play, like, until really November. Like, Tyrod Taylor's just supposed to just kind of, you know, play till pretty much they decided they were out of it. Okay, now we're going to play Justin Herbert. And you end up doing things he did. I don't know. I, I was more than impressed. But I, I'm kind of shocked. Did Joe Burrow make the list? I – I don't think he did. Not so far, and I don't think he's going to make it into yeah, the top four. Yeah, he's so. he No, I don't think Burrow's going to be anywhere on the list. Which is kind of shocking. Like, the Bengals were terrible, and Joe Burrow was just lighting people up left and right. I know he threw the ball like 40 times a game, but Herbert was pretty close to that, too. It, I don't know, Joe. I mean, I just love what Justin Herbert did with Austin Eckler being out most of the year. They were pretty much on, like, remember Kalen Ballage, like, pretty much – came into that offense and was lighting it up. And, like, he was like a journeyman, like, four-fifth string running back, and he was able to do what he did. A lot, a lot of players said that's because everybody feared Justin Herbert and how he could sling the ball downfield. And uh, I'm not trying to take anything from away from the young man. I think he's got a chance to be a uh, decade-plus frontline top-10 quarterback in the league. Just don't know if I would put him this high after year number one. Uh, speaking of Shane Steichen, you brought him up because uh, he, of course, was uh, out in San Diego before Mr. Herbert uh, got there. And, oh, by the way, so was the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. And so was a visitor that the Eagles had to camp over the weekend, Mike McCoy, yeah. former head coach of the, the Chargers who had both uh, Steichen and uh, Nick Sirianni below him uh, working on him. Uh, renewing old acquaintances with his Eagle guys. It's funny how uh, the National Football League is circular. The year that the Eagles hired Doug Peterson as their head coach, I suggested Mike McCoy would not be a bad hire. Uh, he had done a very good job in Denver uh, and was thought of well in league circles. You've got your league sources. I've got mine. I, I got nothing but praise for McCoy uh, from my guys I talked around the league, and I suggested on the air that he would not be a bad choice for the Philadelphia Eagles. They ended up going with Doug Peterson, and the rest, as they say, is history, a, including a Super Bowl and a parade. Um, so uh, my suggestion for Mike McCoy, maybe it's a good thing the Eagles passed on it, but I just thought it was really interesting to see him here in the Eagles camp this week. What do you think the Eagle coaching staff can get out of Mike McCoy? I think they'll get a lot of passing game concepts. Like, I know that was what Mike McCoy was famous for in Denver. And, like, I always thought he was more of the better – like, everybody loved Adam Gase. Mike McCoy was really the mastermind behind that. It wasn't Adam Gase. And I, I, I always tried to tell people with Adam Gase, like, stay away from this guy. I thought he was kind of a puppet, so to speak. Like, I wasn't a big Adam Gase fan. I, I don't know why the Eagles ever interviewed him when they did, but I digress. But Mike McCoy had a lot of the short game passing concepts with Peyton Manning. He kind of adjusted based on how Manning's skill set was. Like, And Manning even said in his Hall of Fame speech, you know, I threw the best flutter ball in the NFL. Well, Mike McCoy took advantage of that, and he used Demarius Thomas to his strengths a lot. And, uh, you know, even defensive players, like, they weren't sure what Mike McCoy was going to do. So I, I think, you know, what Mike McCoy – I think he brings like a little bit of, hey, Nick, you know, this is an awesome job you're doing. You're really establishing the culture. You know, these guys are disciplined. But let me tinker with your playbook a bit here. Let me help you with this and with that. And, you know, kind of give you a, a different perspective on how you should run these plays. I think that's what Mike McCoy was ultimately there for, you know, just to catch up with an old friend and just kind of the, to look around a bit and just kind of see what Nick Sirianni is doing and how he can implement a little bit of his uh, – 
twist to the offense. And I, I don't think it's a bad thing at all. Like, I'm actually kind of surprised Mike McCoy doesn't have a job somewhere. You and I both, because I, I did. I really lobbied for him to be the Eagles head coach when they hired Doug Peterson. I'm with you 100% on this, and it does bother me. Again, uh, I, sometimes I let social media get uh, too much uh, inside my head. I saw a couple of uh, tweets and the like. Why does uh, the head coach need this? This guy was a failure in Sandy. Why would you bring in a guy who got fired? All it is is open exchange of ideas. Nick Sirianni's got to filter through it. He's got to pick and choose what Mike McCoy suggests, what he gives him and the like. And eventually it's Nick Sirianni's decision. But you just take what you can get out of it and there may be a golden nugget in there and you just let the other stuff pass through. I think it's a real good thing that Sirianni's doing this. Uh, good, more power to the Bears and Frank Reich. Uh, excuse me, uh, right. Frank Reich for bringing in Doug Peterson for a couple of days and now the Colts. Uh, right with the Colts and Nagy with the Bears. Why wouldn't you bring a guy like Doug in just to shoot the breeze, just to pick his brain a little bit? Doesn't mean you have to throw out your playbook and start a new one, the Doug Peterson uh, issue. No, of course not. But I don't know why coaches get second guess for bringing in guys who they've worked with before, who they have relationships with that may be able to just lend a little bit of a helping hand. Yeah, it, it's funny, Jody. Like, it, we do this in real life too. Like, so. I started like helping out football teams, like high school football teams. And the first person I went to was my high school football coach. Like he hasn't coached high school football in 10 years. He's happily retired, just goes and watches the game. I go watch high school football games with him. And I just pick his brain like every time, like he knows something before the play's even going to happen. And he doesn't even know the offense. It's, it's incredible. The stuff you can learn from just another person. And again, I have no problem with, Doug Peterson going to these places. like Look, it makes plenty of sense for Frank Reich to bring Doug Peterson in. It just does. And same with Nick Sirianni, with Mike McCoy. I wouldn't be surprised if Mike Zimmer was done whenever he retired. John Gannon would bring him in. No, I think that's a foregone conclusion because I know Gannon uh, looks up as much as he does to Mike Zimmer. All right, he is Jeff Carter. I'm Jody McDonald. You got Birds 365 with you. Coming up with us. We're going to get our boy Rob Motti involved. He covers the entire National Football League for the Associated Press. He's scheduled to join us next here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation. 
and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Appreciate you tuning in to Birds 365. Jeff Kerr with you. Uh, I'm Jordan McConnell. He's Jeff Kerr. Everybody joining us uh, via the stream. Oh, what are you working out already? You got a muscle shirt on this early in the morning, Marty? How much? Uh, what would you do? Two fifty about ten times already this morning. No, oh, we're not hearing Rob. Rob, you got to take it off mute, there, brother. Now say something. We're having trouble connecting with the Rob. Marty, is he not hearing us? Uh, you got me, Marty, uh, man. I hear you. There it is. I hear you. Oh, finally, you, you can finally. absolutely kill you. I'm, uh, I'm listen. I'm out of the loop, man. I've I've been. I'm living. Look at this. I'm in chaos here in Florida. We got a. We got nothing set up. We bought a. We bought a new house, Joe. Right, Jeff. We bought a new house. We closed on it a month ago, and we come in brand new, new construction. And you know what the wife does, right? Let's remodel the whole thing. Oh. <laughs> I, like literally brand new new construction everything is new but let's walk in and let's redo the whole kitchen let's, so i'm living in a sea of boxes everything's a mess we just dropped the kids off at school they're going to a new school and, and, and life is different man it's different out here and oh by the way it's probably pretty hot down in florida because it's hot up here in philadelphia oh, yeah. where in florida uh, near Tampa, I'm in a town called Odessa, so I'm about 15, 20 minutes from Tampa. So uh, very it's cool. A, yeah, it rains every day apparently. <laughs> That's Florida for you. Um, uh, so Odessa, does that mean you're just going to go to uh, Tampa's practice every day from here on in? Since you're not far out of Tampa, they got a pretty good team called the Bucks there. Or are you going to be doing the whole Florida thing? Uh, where do your responsibilities lie now that you're a Floridian? Actually, I'm gonna be I'll be coming up to do some about six to seven Eagles games, but I, I wasn't gonna do the pre preseason this year. 
uh, NFL has this thing where you got to have a uh, be mandated the, uh, the vaccine, and I'm still in the protocol right now. I still got to go through that. I got two more weeks or whatever it may be till they, they actually let you in the press box and let you in their practices. So I'll be ready to go for the season open for the NFL opener for the Dallas Tampa game, and then I'll be at the uh, Eagles uh, home opener um, coming up in September. So we got a long way to go before then there, there's a lot, a lot of football, a lot of things to be played out, a lot of decisions to be made before that happens. Yeah, Rob, I'm, I'm kind of excited to see you covering the NFL. Now you get to enter uh, our territory a little bit. You get to see everything from, I, I guess not the, what's the word I'm looking for? The midnight green color glasses. It's you get to see the <laughs> entire league. It's, it's a lot of fun. I will say that. Yeah, and, and, you know, I've been doing that for a while now, but I've also had Eagles and Phillies responsibilities. So now I take the Phillies – look at that. I take the Phillies off my plate. I focus on the NFL, and they go on a roll. They get good all of a sudden. They're in first place. And I, I, I said this, though. If it's going to be a red October, I'm going to be back in Philly. I don't, I don't care what I got to do. I'll, I'll be there for some playoff games. But, yeah, it, it's fun to be able to focus on the entire league, to actually watch some of these – like I'm sitting there watching these preseason games, and everybody complains about preseason football. It's meaning, you know what? Preseason football is better than no football, right? I'd rather be watching preseason football than no football at all. So uh, the other day, and, and I'm still going through. You know, you get the NFL Game Pass, and you, you can watch the whole. You can watch all the games live preseason, and then you can watch the replays condensed and all that. So I'll go back and watch every single one. I may not watch the third and fourth quarters with some of these uh, fourth and fifth string guys, though. What did you get when you rewatched the Eagle game? Game number one, again, only preseason, but the first Nick Sirianni game ever. So you might make a little bit more attention to it than usual. What do you think of what you saw out of the birds week one? I'm going to sound a lot like Nick, guys, and say crisp first half, sloppy second half. But I don't really care so much about the deep reserves and the guys who aren't going to be making the team or on the bubble guys in the fourth uh, in the fourth quarter and the third quarter. I, I thought there were some good things that we saw early on. Jalen Hurts, to me, did look like he had command of the offense. I was surprised, actually. I heard some people nationally, not locally in Philly, but nationally. I heard Todd Haley, uh, former coach, former uh, offensive coordinator, compare – Hurts and Flacco, Hurts coming out and Flacco coming in and throwing a touchdown pass and having a nice, putting up nice numbers, comparing them to when he had Matt Leinert and Kurt Warner. And I'm thinking to myself, like, Joe Flacco's been a Super Bowl MVP. He, he's no Kurt Warner, okay? So you, you're, you're not thinking about benching Jalen Hurts for Joe Flacco because Todd Haley benched Matt Leinert for Kurt Warner. That It's not a similar comparison at all. So – I liked what I saw out of jail. And there was the one deep ball to Quez that I, I probably would like to throw again and, and connect with him on that. And there was a couple drops for him, but he had a nice command of the of the offense. And he, he's come along. I'm a guy who's been a lot higher on Jalen than I think a lot of people. And, and I feel he deserves every opportunity, guys, to prove this year whether or not he can be QB1 in 2022. For me, that's the number one priority coming out of 21 is to find out about Jalen Hurts. Above all else, you have to know if he can be that guy. Rob, I can't figure this out just from a national perspective. I don't know why people don't like Jalen Hurts like they did. You, know, you saw the Chris Sims rankings. You've seen the PFF rankings. It's very frustrating that they're basically writing this guy off and they really haven't seen I, – I swear they just watched Week 17 that first half, and that was it. Like, okay, we watched something like football. This guy's not any good. I mean, I, I kind of want to hear your thoughts on why do you think nationally people just don't like this guy. You know what those rankings to me are? This is what I would do with those rankings. I, I would take them up, take them, 
Kristen's rank right here. Oh, yeah, there we that, go. That, all, all these, everybody's rankings. I don't care about. It. They're just rankings, right? I have rankings. You have rankings. Jody can put rankings out. So whether it's Chris Sims, whether it's BFF, I don't care about that. They are designed, right? That rankings, and you know this, Jeff. Rankings are designed to stimulate conversation, to get to get people talking, to get whatever, depending on your platform, to get clicks, to get conversation, to get calls. It is what it is. To not have Jalen Hurts on the top forty, I thought was absolutely asinine. To have guys in there a, a higher among higher than him, ranked high, who haven't played, it doesn't make sense to me. I, I think what the national media looks at it, and they, they look at it superficially, right? You look at it from from you're not as close to the situation, so you look at it from behind. You always analyze the quarterback; he's unproven. You look at the, the head coach, he's a rookie head coach. A lot of people don't expect him to be a head coach this quickly, this soon. Uh, he wasn't on anybody else's radar. He didn't get any opportunities or any interviews anywhere else. So automatically, oh, the Eagles are a bottom 30 team, and, and their their uh, their quarterback is, is somebody that you're going to look to replace. So anytime people want to talk about Deshaun Watson, you talk about the Eagles and, and whoever else it may be that could replace them, I want to see Jalen Hurts get that opportunity, and I think he can surprise people. All right, Mr. Marty, last year when you were just the Eagles beat reporter, not the national star that you've become, uh, you watch the Eagles week in and week out. If I had told you that Justin Peters was not going to be back with the Eagles, that Jeff Lurie wasn't going to extend his hand to his friend again to keep him in the National Football League and on the Eagles offensive line, you would have thought that meant the end of Justin Peters' career, right? Not the fact that he signed yesterday with the Chicago Bears I thought Justin, uh, Jason Peters was just flat out done last year. I guess it's because there's a dearth of talent in the National Football League. Did you see it coming, Jason Peters signing with someone else? And is it going to play well or end well in Chicago? I don't know how much he has left, but I'll tell you what. It's familiarity, right, Jody? Uh, there's familiarity there. Juan Castillo, offensive line coach in Chicago, had Jason Peters in Philly. And that this is what the NFL, when you get into August, when you get into a bind, when you get into the season and you have a situation where you need a position, you have someone uh, go down or there's a big need, you reach out for someone you know. You reach out for someone you're familiar with. So Jason Peters is not going to go in there and, and get destroyed, but he's obviously not the guy he was 10 years ago. He's not the guy he was five years ago. Uh, I, I'm just happy I don't have to hear uh, false starts on Jason Peters. I don't have to hear. There's specific callers who will call me uh, every week and say, "I can't wait. That why? Why is Jason Peters here?" So I, I don't. I don't have to hear that anymore about Jason Peters being in. But you know what? One day he, he'll he'll have those number that number up in the rafters, and there'll be an Eagles Wall of Fame, and and Jason Peters will, will do like Donovan and say, "Number seventy-one, always love you." How much did you smile when you saw Doug Peterson? With Carson Wentz this past weekend, yeah, we heard that. I'll call it BS. Fracture beyond repair. I'm like, I do that wasn't true. Uh so fracture beyond the. I I think John Marks uh, put this out there. He said, "Caption this," and I was like, "Fracture beyond repair." According <laughs> according to a source who wants you to believe that false narrative because that's what it was. And I kept telling people, anyone who would listen, that it was it was a false narrative. That was being spread that there was no Doug told me himself. Carson said it. I, I don't know how much more I needed to tell people like, listen, you could go get your sources. I don't care who they are. And, and I know who they are. And I, I don't care why they're spreading this falsehood. Well, actually, I know why they're doing it, because they want to create that rift to justify trading. 
Well, whatever. We moved on past that. But yeah, it, you know what, Jeff? It, it made me smile. It, I kind of felt like just a little vindication. Like I, I told y'all, you know, I told you there was nothing between Doug and Carson. He didn't, and Doug didn't just tell me this. I believe he did a podcast with um, John Clark. He did a podcast with John Clark sometime uh, over the summer, and he said the same thing there. So it's it's it was there was never there was never a fracture beyond repair, according to a source who wants you to believe that false garbage. Rob, I know you had a pretty good relationship with Carson Wentz, as a matter of fact. Uh, now that you're covering the national beat, that lets you keep up the relationship with Carson Wentz, and you got to know how he's recovering from the surgery that he had on his foot. Not in a walking boot, already at practice. Uh, you got an idea is uh, either direct uh, quote from Carson or uh, just reporting from team information as to whether Carson's going to be ready week one for the Colts? From from Carson himself, I, I only reached out to him last week with just an encouraging, encouraging message just to, you know, after the surgery, you know, keep your head up and, and stuff like that. And, uh, and he, he, you know, he was thankful and grateful for that. But we, we didn't talk anything about how far along he is. But I do see the fact that he's he's in, in out of the walking boot it to me, it, it suggests that he's coming along further and better than, than people uh, anticipated. But initially when he got hurt, right, it was a five to 12 week min window, Jody. I've never heard in football or sports a five to 12 week window. And, and, and I liken that to when we moved into this house and I wanted to buy, we, we tried to buy a couple of refrigerators and they gave me a five to 12 week window. How is it five to 12 weeks? On a free, and you know what I ended up doing? I bought five. And the first three that showed up, we kept the other two. They still haven't come, so we canceled those orders. But I, I do think he's trending closer towards the five than the 12. So when the Colts trade for Carson Wentz, obviously they had in mind franchise quarterback. But they were a pretty good team with Phillip Rivers last year. And Phillip Rivers had a pretty good year for them. Do they feel their ceiling with Carson Wentz is going to be that much higher? Or if, like, Carson Wentz become like can at least become the 2019 version. I mean, what do you expect out of him in Indianapolis, Rob? Well, if it's 2017 Carson Wentz, the Indianapolis Colts are Super Bowl contenders. If it's December 2019 Carson Wentz, remember when he he, he had Josh Perkins and, and and Deontay Burnett? Like I'm forgetting all these guys' names. Greg Ward and Greg <laughs> Ward and and all those guys and carried them into the playoffs. Then they're a Super Bowl contender. But if he's 2020 Carson Wentz. Then they're a middle of the pack to a, a, a seven and ten, uh, six and eleven team. So I think a lot depends on what kind of what Carson Wentz looks like, and and I believe in a in a system with Frank Reich, with some guys, some protection up front, with stability up front, with some weapons that he has, he will look a lot more like the seventeen and the December nineteen version than the twenty twenty version. Rob, uh, debating around uh, the country today about how to handle rookie quarterbacks. Uh, all the uh, sports center shows and talk shows and the like talking about what Justin Fields looked like, what Zach Wilson looked like, what Trey Lance looked like, what Mac Jones looked like. And Philadelphia, you get a look at Mac Jones today in a practice between the Eagles and the Patriots. So the debate comes back up again. How best to handle your rookie quarterbacks? I read Peter King this morning and he talked about the Brady's and the Mahomes and the Rogers of the world who all came along slowly, weren't thrown into the deep end of the pool. That was the point he was trying to make. You could just as easily go to Peyton Manning, who started day number one and had his acceptance speech at Canton last week. Uh, so there is no real true way, tried and true, to say this is the best way to do it. If you're going to make a decision individually as you're a team, 
what do you have to factor in? If you were a guy in charge of a team this year and you'd use a fairly high first-round draft pick on a quarterback, how would you decide whether he plays week one, year two, year three? How do you think the best way to do it is? Jody, that's a great question, and, and that's one that GMs and, and head coaches and front offices are constantly, consistently debating, and I'm going to be writing about that actually tomorrow. But I think each each individual case is a different scenario. When, when you're in San Francisco and you draft Trey Lance, but you have someone capable who took you to a Super Bowl like Jimmy Garoppolo and he's making a lot of money, that affords you the opportunity to bring him along a little bit slower because you have someone who you could start and you could be a decent football team. When, when you look at the Chicago Bears and, and you have Fields come in there and, and the way he looked, and I'm not going to get overly excited about any preseason game or what he did, but, but in, in a case of, uh, of Fields with the Chicago Bears, you're not a team that I don't think the Bears are going to be a contender this year. I think you can give him an opportunity to play early or even play right away. Uh, Wilson in, in New York with the Jets, again, uh, a rookie head coach, defensive-minded head coach, a team that shouldn't be going. And I don't anticipate they're going to be a contender at all. I look at the teams that aren't contenders, and I say let the younger guys, let the rookie quarterbacks play early let them learn let them grow let them suffer their lumps with the rest of the team because you don't want your quarterback while everyone else is out there taking a beating and they're losing and they're learning the new system and the new culture and he's in the QB room or he's on the sidelines and he's not participating and he's not taking part in that and now maybe a small part of him thinks hey if I was out there this could be different or I don't know what it feels like for me to experience failure all my teammates are experiencing failure but I'm not so I want my rookie quarterback on a bad team to be out there right away and I would take my time with somebody like like Trey Lance in, in San Francisco. Rob, you know how most successful college coaches do in the NFL. It's not very good. And you know, we've seen the Steve Spurrier experiment that that didn't even last two years. Um Chip Kelly ultimately he let his ego get in the way. That ended up being a disaster even though it was off to a strong start. I thought he yeah. invented, wait, wait Jeff, I thought he invented the game. Uh, that's what I heard. I mean, you know, at Oregon, you know, they, oh, they use those concepts now. Didn't you hear that? But yeah, he's responsible for the Eagles Super Bowl. I digress. <laughs> but uh, Urban Meyer, I wanted to bring up here, Rob. And uh, it hasn't been the greatest of starts for him, but he has the one thing that can make him successful, and that's Trevor Lawrence. Uh, overall, what do you expect to see out of Urban Meyer? Yeah, and, and when you, you run down a list of those guys who don't have much success, I think Urban Meyer can be the, the one who, who goes the other way, who could get who could have some success in the NFL. And the wild card is, or, or the, the key to that is, he's got a franchise quarterback in Trevor Lawrence, and that help, that's extremely helpful. Chip didn't have that in Philly, right? But, well, he, he did have a future Super Bowl winning MVP in, in Nick Foles, but uh, who, who went 29-2 and two one year with him, but, that, but that's a different story. So I, I think Urban Meyer had some hurdles and some adjustments, and, and, and there was the, the assistant coach situation, and you know now he's got Tebow in there trying to, to uh, learn how to play tight end. And that, that could be, even though that could potentially have been a distraction, I think it's been handled well there. It can, it can work there in Jacksonville where he is such a big, beloved figure and a hero. So that could work there. So, and he's actually, I, I, I believe, and I spoke to Trevor Lawrence in, in May or maybe June, I forget when it was, and, and the, the influence on Trevor Lawrence, I think, could be a positive thing. So I, I'm excited to see what the Jaguars and what Urban Meyer can do. I, I don't anticipate that team 
being more than a five or six win, but that to go from one to five or six is a nice jump for, for a franchise like that. And, and they have a quarterback in Trevor Lawrence, who I think has all the tools. I, I love this kid. I, I, and he's one, I would play him right now. I don't care what Barry, what, what Minshew mania is doing. I don't care how great he's playing. I'm Trevor Lawrence. Go out there. Day one. We, you know, first week you're playing the, the any the entire season, as long as he's physically able. They were saying he was plug and play after his rookie year at Clemson, his freshman year. So I expect him to be there day one with the Jags agreed, Rob. Um, had Mike Pereira on one of my national shows last week because I wanted to get his take on the points of emphasis the NFL is laying down this year. The taunting penalty, they're going to be a little bit tougher on it going forward. They thought that it led to a couple of ugly incidents last year. It, it kind of worries me a little bit that they're making that a point of emphasis because I don't want the NFL to stand for the no fun league. I like celebration. I like people showing emotion on the field. So it's a fine line the referees have to walk. Uh, but Pereira said, Jody, don't even worry about that. The thing you need to keep your eye on is the blocking below the waist outside that they are going to absolutely be throwing a flag on that. No one is allowed to block below the waist once you get outside the tackle boxes. And he said, there's a lot of that going on in the national football. Like, go back and check the tape. Oh, everybody blocks below the waist on the outside. They're going to crack down on that this year. I did see it flagged a couple of times uh, this weekend in watching as much exhibition football as I did. Uh, what do you think of the point of emphasis? It's, I think it's funny that every year nobody talks about it until the game starts. But then when the game starts, oh, my God, flags everywhere. Slowing <laughs> down again. We're screwed by the referees. It becomes a major talking point one or two weeks into the season. How big a deal is it going to be early this year? The, the taunting, I, I think, is just laughable. Uh, I believe it was a run by Benny LeMay, uh, the Colts. He he powered his way through. It might have been like a 14-yard run carrying guys up the middle. And, and he just, like, did something like that, whatever it was. And he gets flagged for it. I'm like, there is no way they can do that in a regular season. And what we see sometimes is these – points of emphasis, right, Jody? They become a point of emphasis in the preseason. Right. And as more people start to, we'll, we'll all complain about it. We'll write our columns. We'll talk about it. And then as the regular season comes, they'll put that flag in their back pocket. But the tackling, right, I mean, the blocking below the waist, that one I think will will be, as Pereira said, will be emphasized more into this season. That's not going to be just a preseason thing. I think that's something that they really want to do away with in the NFL. So the, the taunting thing might that should and it better go away. But but the tackling, the blocking below the waist is going to be something I think is going to be a, a legitimate point of emphasis that we got to keep our eye on. And just like everything else, early on in the season, we'll be looking at it, we'll be focused on it, and then come November, December, we'll forget all about it. Rob, I never asked you on Twitter before about – what are your thoughts on the 17-game season, the 14-team expanded playoffs? I know we've had a year of them. I mean, I, personally, I'm a little biased because it's, you know, I work for one of the broadcast partners. So more, more games, more money. Um, you know, overall, though, do you think it's going to be a little too much or do you think this is just right? Hey, more football. We all love football, right? More football is, is always a good thing uh, from a selfish perspective that just prolongs or puts my vacation a little further down the road. You know, I got to wait an extra two weeks or whatever it may be. But it's 17 games to me. It, I, I don't want to see it go much further. You know, they talked about the 18, right? I think 17 is just right 
three preseason games is maybe one too many. I'd rather see what the a lot of teams are doing now, right? A lot of teams now are doing the joint practices, and not just one time, but two joint practices because they have one less preseason game. I'd rather have two preseason games and all and and two or three joint practices because you can do two two joint practices with the teams you're playing, and then someone local. Like the Eagles can do Baltimore, they can do the Jets, they can do the Giants, whoever it may be. For You're not going to do the Giants because it's in division. But a 17-game regular season I think is just right. You don't want guys to, to, to get potentially even – injuries are such a huge factor in the NFL. And, and as, as much as it is who's healthiest uh, or who's the best team, it's who's healthiest at the end of the year. So uh, I'm excited to see it that way. If they were going to spread it out, um, and, and remember, early, when was it? Like the early 2000s, late 90s, they had two bye weeks. I, you, you, 93, you know, they had two bye weeks. What, was it 90? Yeah, you, they had. Two, I, I could, I could actually live with two bye weeks, uh, especially as now, not not the beat guy, but more of a national guy. I could live with two bye weeks because I think that that'll help teams, right? We're always going to have our football, but that'll help teams if you if that would be for me the only way you want to go to 18. Give them two bye weeks and then you can go to 18. Rob, let me ask you about a guy that I know you know quite well because you covered him for years, and that's head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs, Andy Reid. Um, goes to the Super Bowl, wins the Super Bowl two years ago. Goes last year, gets beat, and beat pretty good, as a matter of fact, by that Brady guy and Bruce Arians and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. What's his mantra coming into this year? He's still got Patrick Mahomes, who is the most talented quarterback in the National Football League, even though the Brady got the better of them last year. Still, talent wins out over everything else. Um, they're the favorite to win the AFC again this year, but a couple of good challengers in the Bills and the Browns. What's Andy Reid's message? How do you think he's going to try and get Kansas City back to a third straight Super Bowl? I got a little hint of that, a little taste of that. I spoke to Travis Kelsey a couple of weeks ago, and, and he said that loss in the Super Bowl is, is just sticks in their mind, everybody, and it left a bad taste because they didn't just lose. As you said, they got annihilated. They got it handed to them. Uh, so I think what Andy's using now is that psychological ploy of you, you guys, you were, you were at the top of the mountain, and then you got knocked off in a big way. You got completely knocked off and you have to get back there and you you know, haven't done anything. You haven't proven anything. And, and the big thing for the Kansas City Chiefs is going to be the offensive line. You got a whole revamped offensive line with three guys who've never played in the NFL. Three guys up there protecting, blocking for Patrick Mahomes. And, and we saw as great as he is, as incredible, as athletic, as phenomenal, as talented as Patrick Mahomes is when his he was missing – to uh, his bookend tackles in the in the Super Bowl, he was ordinary. He, he was he was Carson Wentz in in September. That's that's what he looked like with, with nobody up front. And and, and that's going to be a huge thing because if if they can't get their offensive line in order, I don't care how talented Patrick Mahomes is, they're going to have some struggles early on. But I I I look for the Buffalo Bills, the Kansas City Chiefs, again, to be there, potentially a rematch of the AFC Championship game, and whoever gets home field, whoever gets the number one seed, can go this year. I'll stick uh, to the NFC East here now, Rob. I really don't like how Joe Judge runs the Giants. I, 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 you know, I've been pretty vocal about it. I think it's a high school – he's trying to run it like he was quarterback at Lansdale Catholic. That's how I view it, and I just don't know if this is going to work long term. And, you know, Ray Rhodes in the – the players eventually tuned out, you know, the whole us against the world mentality and, you know, running these guys ragged. Like people seem to forget they were only six and 10 last year. I know they had a good finish, but they weren't a good football team. Like overall, what are your thoughts on Joe judge? 
he would have been a six and ten division champion if the Eagles didn't tank the final game of the season, right? He was about to be a six I and love ten, it right? I I, I kind of you know I, I look at what he does and I, I think it's it's in a way refreshing because it's different and it's old school. But like you said, I don't believe that will last. So we we to to be able to go out there and see some of the things like guys running gassers and everything else and what they're doing after practice or in practice and the fighting and all that stuff. It's different for today's NFL. It really is. We don't see that across the league. So he's coming in here with a different mindset, more of an old school in your face, us against the world, and and let's let's create this atmosphere here. He may have success for a year or two, but eventually I don't think that will last with today's modern player. Uh, it's a division that's winnable for the Giants, for the Washington football team, for the Cowboys if Dak is healthy. And, and if Dak isn't healthy, to me, they're the front runner. But if Dak isn't healthy and, and there's a Super Bowl MVP quarterback who's a number three on the Chicago Bears roster, if I'm Jerry Jones, I'm making that phone call, by the way. But that's just me. All right. Uh, last thing, Rob, and uh, just an aside, uh, that tanking game that the Eagles took part in, Week 17, unbelievable. They couldn't win with the unstoppable Nate Sudfeld, according to the owner, Jeffrey Laurie. Uh, he didn't even get in the game against San Francisco this week, and I don't think they sat him to protect him either. Not a good thing for Nate Sudfeld, but uh, again, I'm getting off course. Um, now you're down in Florida, you're covering the entire National Football League, and that's a pretty good drive from just outside Tampa, up north in the state. Do you have a Tim Tebow week that you're going up to Jacksonville to check on the Jags? Yeah, they kind of got that Lawrence Cater quarterback, but Tim Tebow's a tight end for him, Marty. Tell me you're going to Jacksonville. <laughs> Heck yeah. I, I did an event a couple of years ago in October 19 with Tim Tebow, and uh, I know he gets a, he gets a lot of uh, criticism from some people out there. But I found him to be one of the, the most genuine human beings I've ever met in my life. So whether or not he can play football as a tight end is one thing. Who he is off the field, I think, it is, is just a phenomenal, spectacular person, human being, everything that he does. So I definitely, Jody, at some point will find my way to Jackson. It's like a three-and-a-half-hour drive from where I am. I'm kind of lazy. I might hop on a plane and get there in an hour. Yeah, I uh, said on the show a couple of times, if I found out my wife, uh, my daughter was going to be marrying Tim Tebow, I'd give him a bro hug. Couldn't be more excited. <laughs> well, Tim, yeah. get on with the rest of your life. You can't play football like Jason Peter. Jason, get on with the rest of your life. You got a big life ahead of you. Don't be doing well. Again, uh, off field. <laughs> but I like getting off field every once in a while. We always love having you on, Rob Marty. Uh, only three fridges. I'm kind of disappointed. I thought you were going with four. <laughs> what the hell do you need three fridges for? Well, it's actually, in, in fairness, it's two fridges and one's just a standing freezer. Wife's a, my wife is a phenomenal uh, cook in the kitchen, mm -hmm. man. She's awesome. She, she she gets her meats, her fish, and everything. We store it there. And it's cool. two of them are in the garage, and the other one's in the, in a soon-to-be-remodeled brand-new kitchen. <laughs> It's, it's, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be working the rest of my life, Jody and Jeff. Uh, get back to it. You've already got the uh, caught-up shirt on, so you got to do some <laughs> lifting. We know that's coming. Uh, Rob, we'll touch base again in a couple of weeks. Thanks for jumping on today, bud. You guys are the best. Thank you. Rob Motti uh, from the Associated Press was the Eagle guy for years, doing both the Eagles and the Phillies, as he just mentioned. They got He gets out of town. The Phillies move in the first place. Well, as Jeff mentioned earlier in the show, they fell out of first place yesterday. Uh, Jeff was there. My wife was there. My daughter was there. I watch it on TV. 
I thought I was the baseball guy. How did I end up as the only guy not at the game yesterday? Anyway, uh, we'll come back. We'll put a football bow on the show here on Bird Street 65 in just a sec. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Coming down the home stretch here on Bird Street 65. We'll be right back at the 22 hours from now tomorrow. Only we'll have an Eagles-Patriots practice to talk about between now and then. Uh, JK, before we wrap this bad boy up, did want to note this. A lot of talk, uh, the beat writer John and uh, all the guys who covered the team suggesting and and getting it here on our uh, feed and also on my CBS uh, and uh, WIP shows 
the Eagles could use a veteran wide receiver. The Eagles have to get a veteran into that room. The Eagles have some youth there, but there isn't that steadying veteran guy, that hand to help guide. And uh, that should be something that Howie Roseman is on the lookout for, even willing to trade for above and beyond just who's not going to make somebody's uh, roster and be able to pick them up off the scrap heap right before the season starts. Does Nelson Aguilar fit that description? A veteran guy who's been around the league, accomplished a little something, something, could help these young guys in the Eagle wide receiver. Would we put Nelson Aguilar into that group? He's a veteran receiver. I would say that. He ain't coming to Philadelphia, obviously, because Patriots just signed him. But um, I was going on the little timeline here, and the Eagles are getting some reinforcements at receiver right now. Devonta Smith is in full pads. John Hightower, who was listed as week to week, is in full pads. That's very interesting. And Ryan Kerrigan's in full pads. But I did think it was kind of cool, though. I, I think McMullen or Ed Kratz tweeted that one of the two. Nelson Aguilar went right over the Connor Barwin. And basically, you know, Connor Barwin's on the Eagle staff now. So, you know, he in the front office. So he went over and, you know, they, they talked and they exchanged pleasantries and all that. So I, I thought that was really cool. But, yeah, overall, um, Nelson Aguilar, I would consider him a veteran receiver at this point. He's been in the league six years. He's had – degrees of success he was really good last year with uh vegas so you know i, I think he's going to be a good asset to the patriots offense i just don't think he's a one but if you would bring in a nelson aguilar type player on this team it definitely will not hurt um i you know you don't expect a guy like that to light the world on fire but you expect a player like that to contribute and help these young receivers out and that's ultimately what you would bring in a nelson aguilar type player to do and the reason I bring it up is because oftentimes Eagle fans are ready to throw stones at Howie Roseman. Given a chance to throw a stone at Howie Roseman, they'll throw stones at Howie Roseman. <laughs> he didn't get that many stones thrown his way when he decided not to bring Nelson Aguilar back. And Aguilar was, of course, a free agent. He could choose to go wherever he wanted. He spent went and spent one full year with John Gruden and moved on. So it wasn't like, oh, he's got to become a Raider. He went to the Raiders because I'm sure the Raiders offered him the best one-year deal that he got last year. How he didn't get killed here in Philadelphia for letting Nelson Aguilar walk out the door, does that surprise you? I think because he was so bad in 2019. If you remember, Jody, he cost Carson Wentz two games in 2019. You know, the game with the Falcons, you know, that was a beautiful pass by Wentz. And Aguilar just flat out dropped it. You know, this wasn't a Todd Pinkston lost it in the lights. He dropped it. And – then the whole Wentz pass where I don't know how Wentz got this pass off. I don't know how he put it where he needed to put it in the back of that end zone. But Nelson Aguilar dropped out against the Patriots that, you know, I, I, I'm trying to remember now. It was hide the game. I, I got to rewatch that game again. But Nelson Aguilar was just bad in 2019. And he kind of reverted back to the 2015-2016 version of Nelson Aguilar, not the deep threat that he was in 2018 and definitely not the reliable receiver he was in 2017. So – yeah, I could. I think it was more of the Eagles needed to move on, and he needed to move on. He needed to change the scenery, and it's interesting, Jody, because Kendrick Bourne, who was on the Patriots now, said the Eagles were interested in him in free agency, and he said he had his mind set up. He wanted to go to New England no matter what. So I thought that was very interesting that the Eagles were looking at a veteran-type player like Kendrick Bourne. I mean, I don't think they would even entertain Nelson Aguilar, but yeah, it's I, if any Eagles fan would say, I can't believe they let Nelson Aguilar go, I'm like, come on. Like, seriously, you've been getting on Howie Roseman for Chip Kelly or whoever picked them for five years for even picking the guy. 
I, I, I don't know, Joe. I, I was relieved he was gone, uh, quite honestly. I, I just thought it was time to move on. And I, I root for the guy you know, to have success. But overall, it just didn't work here. But his act, his act, too, has been pretty good. When he moved out to Vegas, had a pretty damn good year with the Raiders. And that's why the Patriots did make the play that they did to bring him in. And this is a different Patriot team than we're used to. Um, usually, they're a team coming in defending, oh, I don't know, a championship or a deep playoff run. Seven and nine team that reacted accordingly and brought in a bunch of veteran free agents this offseason. It's going to be a different uh, type Belichick team that the Eagles are facing off in in practice these next couple of days. Yeah, this is not the Patriot way. The Patriots do not go out and spend a ton of money on free agents. They just don't. Like, if they get a player, they usually acquire them through a trade. Like, the year they got Randy Moss, they were already loaded. They just happened to get Randy Moss for like pennies on the dollar at that point. And, you know, it's. It's incredible, honestly, Jody, like how the moves they're able to make. Like, they let Asante Samuel just walk when it was time for him to get paid. They just don't pay these guys. Like, they barely paid Gronk when it was time to pay him. It, it's, you know, Tom Brady always took less money so they could, you know, keep their homegrown guys. Like, it's very weird to see what they did. John o. Smith, Hunter Henry, Nelson Aguilar, they got Trent Brown back. They traded uh, Marcus Cannon. Uh, you know, it, they just did – these made moves across the board later. Uh, Jalen Mills was one of those free agency moves. And I don't know how much better it gets them. Like, I, I think they're finally realizing that the AFC East is no longer pushovers anymore. Buffalo's legit. Miami's a good team. The Jets, lo and behold, are actually getting better. They're not at that level, obviously. But they're going to be at least play a little bit of a role here. It's New England just can't sit on their heels and say, we got the AFC East locked up. It doesn't work that way anymore. So it was very interesting to see what Belichick did. And I think they spent a lot of money to win only nine or ten games this year. I, I just don't know if that gets the job done. We'll see how it plays out once the year gets going. But first things first, got to see how this practice works out today. Uh, feel our, follow our buddy John McMullen on Twitter. Uh, all Eagle Beat reporters will take in as much information as we can and we'll be here, talking about it with you, right back here on Bird Street 65. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.